no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, thanks for hanging out. What's up? It is First and Pod. I'm Danny Parkins. He is Andrew Filipponi. Every game, every team, every week. If you're listening live on a radio station, we appreciate you. We're a podcast, first pod, subscribe, rate, review. Most of you are listening on a podcast. We appreciate you. If you haven't reviewed, we would really appreciate five stars. It helps us with our bosses, and we have children, and we need bonuses, and we need to pay for all these presents this time of year. We're coming to you after the Rams take care of business on Thursday night football. How dangerous do you consider this team, Pony? Well, let me say, uh, for starters, speaking of kids, I have my daughter's baby monitor here because I'm in charge. My my wife had gallbladder surgery. So I think there's a great... You ended up needing than... surgery? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I missed two days of work taking care of her. Uh, Is she okay? I, I, I'm late on the updates. I apologize. She okay? She's much better now that an organ that is not vital is out of her body. Uh, that was causing okay, well, her distress and great pain. All right. Well, yeah, I, I was I got the updates earlier in this. I'm sorry. Two, so- uh, two emergency room visits, and they got it out of there. So oh, I'm good. watching her. There's a greater than zero percent chance now that we started recording, she's gonna start screaming and require me to maybe bring her down here and have her first cameo appearance on first and pod. But great. I, I watched uh this entire game because that's what we're paid to do. Yeah. And um paid handsomely. And the Rams are turning into the team that I predicted them to be. And this is one of the few kind of outlandish things that I said before the season that turned out to be right. Uh, I like them a lot in a bounce back year because of all their offensive line injuries last year. And if Stafford was healthy, McVay rejuvenated, Cooper cut back from injury, Aaron Donald still there. I thought they were better than the six and a half wins that Vegas projected them for. Uh, the Nakua thing, there's there were 178 players picked before him in the draft. It's a league where wide receivers, not even great ones, are now getting close to $20 million a year. How that guy slipped through the cracks with the amount of scouting that gets done for this thing now is ridiculous. That's what the Rams have to do after all the trades they made to win their Super Bowl. Uh, their defense is good, not great. And they've got like one player that people recognize. But the bigger story is by far the way, the, the way their offense has clicked, which I think now it's at least 28 points in their last five games. And well, their only Williams, loss man. was the overtime game to Baltimore on the road. I feel like Williams is the key to the whole operation now. Yeah, another guy. What was he, a seventh-round pick? Like, he's given them – like, obviously, Nakua was doing things crazy early, and then Cup comes back, and then they have both of them. But when Williams has come into the mix and they actually have a degree of balance, he's a very different player than Todd Gurley. But it reminds me of McVeigh with Todd Gurley when they were so simple. Remember the thing back then? It was like they were on the same base formation every time. But they just, they would play action and they would do it left and they would do it right. And it was just like, 
it was it was the 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 brilliance was in its simplicity. Well, four different dudes caught a ball tonight for the Rams. That's it. Four guys. One They're of them is Demarcus Robinson. Man, the Chiefs could use this version of Demarcus Robinson, who whenever they step foot in the red zone now, uh, sucks in footballs like he's a friggin' vacuum cleaner. And he caught another one. I think that's four for him in the last five games since they brought him in. Yeah, it's, it's Higby, Robinson, Nakua, and Cup. The only dudes who caught a ball tonight for a quarterback who completed 24 passes for 328 yards. Like normally you throw for 328 yards, seven, eight, nine, ten guys caught a pass. They just they're they're a top heavy roster. They don't have like the longest runway. But man, like Matt Stafford, with how Jalen Hurts has been playing recently as a passer, and what we just saw from Dak, I mean, he's at least in the conversation for best quarterback in the NFC. Like, I don't think that they can win the NFC because I don't think there's any way they could go to San Francisco. But I think they could win a shootout with Detroit. They could win a shootout with Philly. They could win a shootout with Dallas. They, I'm not, they, they could lose to any of those teams too, obviously. But I don't think that they're drawing dead against any team in the NFC other than San Francisco. They're not. It's a testament to how well they're coached by McVay offensively that he's yep. able, even with Stafford at this late age, to protect him well enough and surround him with players to make it work. None of them are high draft picks. They're all guys that Cooper Cup, obviously, they've developed and he won the Triple Crown a couple of years ago. But like, it's not a big free agent investment on that side of the ball, other than the money they've paid Stafford they're They've got a tremendous defensive coordinator in Raheem Morris. Uh, they're dangerous. You're right. And uh, I think their window to win stretches beyond this year, provided Stafford stays healthy and Aaron Donald doesn't slow down. So they're, they're a great story. Um, and they make the NFC first round first weekend of the playoffs much more entertaining by their presence in this playoff picture now. Nakua, six games with 100 yards or more receiving. One more, and he ties OBJ and Justin Jefferson for most by a rookie since the merger. Let's get to the games. Ravens, Niners, you call it the game of the year. What's your biggest take for the game? Well, this time it's not any kind of hyperbole or exaggeration. They're the two best teams in the NFL by record. Uh, leading their conferences. We haven't seen this happen this late in the year. Two best teams in each conference. 05 when Seattle and Indianapolis played in week 16. So this is highly unusual to have this type of potential Super Bowl matchup this late in the regular season. Uh, I'm with you. You know how much I love San Francisco now. I think that they're a lot better than the Ravens. The line reflects that it's a five and a half point spread, even with Baltimore's run of dominance where they've led at the two minute warning in every game. And the only two teams to do that through their first uh, 14 games are the 72 Dolphins and 07 Patriots. So they are in undefeated rarefied air with that. But here's the stat to me that it bears watching in this game. And I'm going to take San Francisco to win and I'm going to take them to cover. But if they don't win, we're going to think about this number. 234 
That was the number of rushing yards the 49ers allowed to Arizona last week. That is a bleep ton. And there were a ton of missed tackles. They had their most missed tackles all year. Even with Keaton Mitchell out, you better believe that Baltimore is aware of that stat and they're going to find a way to attack that. And I just wonder if there is an Achilles heel for this 49ers team, is that it? They're so good at pass rushing with Bosa and Young there now, what they've invested up front. Is that how teams are going to beat them? They fall behind so much that it's hard to run against them. But if there's a team that can do it, even without Greg Roman there now, Danny, it's Baltimore. And I just wonder if that's where they they will attack San Francisco there. Will it be effective? Because Arizona burned them on the ground last week, but no one paid attention to it because the game wasn't really that close. Right, yeah. Who cares if you run for that much when you lose by, what was it, 16 points, 17 mm-hmm. points, whatever the final score was. Listen, you know I'm with you. I think the Niners are not playing a single-digit game uh, the rest of the way assuming assuming health it feels like a massive game for the downside of the MVP like if Baltimore wins and Lamar outplays Purdy and Purdy struggles in prime time on Christmas night that feels like the only thing that could derail him and if McCaffrey like came out of the game with like three rushing touchdowns or something maybe he could be cannibalized by his own teammate I'm not, I don't think Lamar could steal the MVP from him, but you have to at least have, be open to the possibility that if he has a massive game in the same spot and clearly outplays him and does it on the road as an underdog, like it could be the last chance for anyone other than Brock Purdy to win MVP. So I'm I'm rooting for that, frankly, because I don't think that the guy deserves uh the MVP. And then I don't like that this game's on Christmas. I just don't like it. What? I don't like it. Why? Because the NBA is the perfect Christmas holiday sport. Like, because it's one of 82. The game doesn't matter that much. You can have it on in the background. You can watch the fourth quarter. You can turn it off. You can miss it if your family needs you to miss it to assemble a toy or have the prime rib or like depending on like what your Christmas traditions are. Like it's a, it, it can be a background sport. This is too big of a sporting event to be on Christmas night. Like I haven't even broken the news to Steph yet that that night after we're done with dinner and we put the kids to sleep and my mom leaves after dinner that like, there's not going to be us time because I'm just going to be watching Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy when I don't have to go to work again for another week. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like she, she was, you think keeping her fingers crossed that there would be hanky panky, like after everything calmed down at the Parkins house on Christmas. I think she would like some quality time, even if it's not hanky panky. I think she would like to cuddle up with a glass of wine and watch a comedy, you know, and like have some just us time and not watch Lamar Jackson v. Brock Purdy and me try to sell her on like, do you think Nick Bosa and Fred Warner can contain Lamar Jackson in the RPO game. Like, I just, I don't think that that's like what she's looking for for her Christmas night. Why can't you be like most American couples and just sit in the same room and one person is on their phone or their tablet and the other is using the TV and just coexist that way like the rest of America? We will. Yes. We will. But that's not active time. Like that's on Christmas. 
That's what she wants. And I don't blame her. I feel like it's totally reasonable. This is too big of a sporting event for Christmas Day. I'm sorry. It just is. It's too big. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I'm speechless, man. I think it's the best thing because usually I'm I'm looking for a sports fix that day and regular season NBA games don't do it for me. And I, we've got all day a full three games in each window to watch. And I'll be into I'm it. Fine. I'm fine with Raiders Chiefs. I'm fine with Giants Eagles. Those, those games are fine. Like, yes, it's that's yes. But if I miss a quarter of Raiders Chiefs, that's okay. I don't want to miss a down of this game. And you're not going to. I know. And that's going to come with some some husband and wife capital expended. Like spend. No, there's not going to be, man. This is the life she chose marrying you. And she knows that, bro. So you're saying whenever you 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 never get crap from Amanda for oh, I'm not saying in? oh I'm not saying that there might have even okay. been some crap handed out tonight, but it goes in one ear and out the other for me. I don't take it personally because I know <laughs> she's just venting and she knows that it's not gonna I'm not gonna capitulate to it. Uh, Cowboys, well, congrats, congrats, congrats on all of your success. Thank you, Cowboys and Dolphins, two 10 win teams. Who's got more to prove on Sunday? So, I love the question, and I think the answer is is Miami because they haven't beaten anybody good. And I think that Dallas is good. And if Miami wins, like both of these teams obviously can still win their division, but like Miami's going to win their division. And if they win their division – even with losing this game, people are going to say, yeah, but what did you do? And this would at least be something that they can hang their hat on and say, we didn't just beat the bad teams on on a weak schedule because Aaron Rodgers got hurt and Buffalo slumped and we like backdoored our way to an AFC East division title. We look, we also did this. That was impressive. We, we scored 70 in a game. We, had a 2,000-yard receiver. We beat the Cowboys. Like, that's a – you can start hanging some individual accomplishments on their season that add up to something. Dallas wasn't supposed to win their division this year. Philly's the the favorite. Philly's the NFC champs. Like, they they have good wins. I don't think that this would tell me as much about Dallas as it would about Miami. Miami wasn't supposed to win the division this year either. Buffalo was picked ahead of them. I I understand that, but my point is is that right now both of them have a chance to do it. Miami hasn't Miami hasn't done anything in impressive fashion. Dallas has played Philly. Dallas has played good teams. Miami has played good teams and lost. So there is not a quality win on Miami's resume. So if they win the division, it'll come with an asterisk. If Dallas wins the division, it'll be like, damn, you went through Philadelphia. Dallas, Dallas isn't going to win the division because the Eagles play. I agree. You know, they, they play the Giants twice. They play Christmas cookies and pastries the rest of the way. Uh, so they're going to have to prove they can win on the road. Dak stats on the road this year. Yeah, you're big on the home road splits. Yeah. Why wouldn't I be? 216 passing yards per game when they average 40 at home and they're undefeated. He's got five interceptions on the road. Uh, you're playing Miami with those running backs. You just let James Cook rush for 179 yards against you last week. That's what this game's about for me. Can Dallas stop the run? And can Dak 
and C.D. Lamb heat up like they have at home this year. So that's what I'll be circling with this game. Dallas, in my opinion, has more to prove. We've got a lot more to come. Many more games. He's Andrew Filipponi. I'm Danny Parkins. Back after this on First and Pod. All right, welcome back. First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi. Every game, every team, every week. We're grouping these two games together here. The other Christmas Day games, Raiders and Chiefs, Giants and Eagles. Last year's Super Bowl teams. Which Super Bowl contestant from a year ago do you feel better about going forward? Okay, so this is an easy question. It, 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 with it, this is an easy answer. It's it's obviously Kansas City, but but I do think these two teams are in very similar situations in that there's uh, probably major issues with both, and we're not going to get really much in the way of clarity over the next three weeks before the playoffs start because both teams are playing hapless uh, teams the rest of the way. Kansas City's not going to lose another game. Kansas City's got a home game against Cincinnati. That's the closest thing to, like, stiffer competition the rest of the season. The Eagles are going to win their next three games. I think it's the Giants and maybe Arizona is squeezed in there. That's 3-0. The Eagles, man, remind me a lot, and I think other people have started to make this uh, comparison. Remind me a lot of the Steelers team that I covered in, in 2020, the COVID year where they started 11 and 0 and then just completely fell off a cliff. The Ravens figured them out. Other teams stole the blueprint. They won one game the rest of the way. And it took a Ben Roethlisberger miracle in the second half to beat an okay Indianapolis team. And that was it. It was curtains for them. They got blown out in their home playoff game. Uh, the Hurts stuff. He's talking about the team needing more commitment. He's turning the ball over too much and they just, changed defensive coordinators in December. They know that they're reeling and they're doing desperate things, which is not the mark of a team that, okay, well, we went to the Super Bowl last year. We'll figure it out this season. No big deal. No, they look like they're in panic mode right now, Danny. Well, if if you're in panic mode, Giants, Cardinals, Giants is a get right month for them. So, I expect them to look better. I expect those of us who are still alive in the fantasy football playoffs uh, with Jalen Hurts to get some bounce back numbers here. Um, I agree with you. We've been talking about the Eagles vulnerabilities and the Chiefs vulnerabilities uh, all year. But I think the Chiefs issues are certainly smaller than Phillies. Um, They still have their own issues, though, man. AFC playoffs not going through Kansas City. You talk about home road splits. Like, we'll see if, if it plays true to form. They're going to have to go on the road at some point and and beat a good team and maybe beat Lamar Jackson in Baltimore in January. That's not going to be an easy thing uh, to do. So I think both teams have real vulnerabilities. The Chiefs with their offensive pass catchers. The Eagles with the primarily their pass defense and the health of their quarterback. But – we are in agreement here that Philly's got bigger questions. And the other thing is Philly's got a team in their conference that's clearly better than them. Kansas City doesn't. Here is one stat when you're at Christmas and you're talking football, though Danny now says that that's like verboten because you need to assemble toys and, you know, try to, you know, sex up your wife or whatever. It, um, it, take Listen, <laughs> take it easy. Your <laughs> child is a baby. Just talk to me in three or four years. Um, Chiefs are last in fourth quarter scoring. 
in the entire league. How is that possible? You're telling me in the last 15 minutes of games, teams like the Jets and the Panthers are scoring more points than a team quarterback by Mahomes and coached by Andy Reid? That is just mind-boggling. That is. Uh, Browns and Texans. We got Joe Flacco. We got Case Keenum with playoff implications. How much has the backup quarterback play negatively affected this season in your mind? For me, minimally. For me, personally. I'm watching every game every week anyway. Like, people are like, what's the best sporting event of the year? Is it the Masters? Is it March Madness? Is it Conference Championship Sunday? For me, it is the 18 regular season Sundays. That's my favorite thing in sports. Good answer. You know what I mean? Like it, It's the best. It's gambling. It's survival. You're getting your fan card back for comments like that. Like that's, to me, those are the 18 best days of the year. Or NFL Sundays with a bunch of games happening in a period of 10 hours. That's my happy place, right? So I can get into basically any of it. It is why it is a big factor as to why scoring is down. People do obviously tune in for the name quarterbacks, but we've also seen Pat Mahomes have offensive frustrations this year. We just talked about Jalen Hurts' struggles. We've spent a lot of time talking about Josh Allen's struggles. Quarterbacking is hard. Joe Flacco's an awesome story. Like I, I, I'm interested in watching Joe Flacco. Like watching Joe Flacco doesn't bother me. Watching Aiden O'Connell isn't great. That's not something I'm terribly interested in. But hell, man, Tommy DeVito became like a pretty fun story for a couple of weeks. Zach Wilson, interesting. Not as interesting as Aaron Rodgers, but interesting. So I don't, for me personally, it doesn't bother me as much. If if I was a Browns fan or a Texans fan, though, like, so like, I guess to answer your question and like meander my way to it, which is not a good sign for my take, but like, in the macro sense, it doesn't bother me at all. But if I was a Texans fan and I got to watch this game and I'm not watching C.J. Stroud, feels like a waste of time. If I'm a Browns fan and I'm watching Joe Flacco, eh, cool story. But in the back of my mind, I would not be able to forget about $230 million guaranteed to Deshaun Watson. I think the only situation where we've seen a backup go in and it's like a pre- like it's depreciated the product to the point where it went from must-see television to unwatchable is for the most part with the Jets this year. With a couple of games like Zach Wilson against Kansas City or the game he played against Houston. Other than that, it's just been uh, a a horrendous offense. The other situations where we thought, oh my God, what are the Bengals going to be like without Joe Burrow? What are the Vikings going to be without Kirk Cousins? And those situations, those teams have been fine. So, well, and we've gotten cool stuff. Like that's what I mean. Like Tyson Agent, Tommy Cutlets. We've we've gotten okay stories out of it. Yeah, and and oftentimes the backup has not like hamstrung the team to the point where okay, they're just gonna like you know keep their fingers crossed that they're gonna score thirteen points and win and the ugliest of ways. So. You look at the number of quarterbacks that have played the sheer number, how many teams are down to their third string or fourth string quarterback. It's a it's a big total this year. But I don't really think that it's it's set the NFL back. 
because of it. Like I thought there was the potential at times for that to happen this year, but to the credit of a lot of these backups, they've gone in and they've gotten the job done. Bengals and Steelers, your game, George Pickens. It's a headline seemingly every day. What's going on with your team? Disgraceful. I mean, it really is. Yeah, I really felt like a lot of times when I would come on here and we would have Steelers related things and I would rip into the team. You're just like, okay, you're in a fishbowl. You're you're bitching. That's what happens when you cover a team year round. You find all their warts and all their imperfections and you uh, obsess over them. You fixate on them. Uh, do you and others still feel that way? Like it is amazing to me in less than a month, the 180 that most of our national brethren, how they've flipped. And now they're like, yeah, maybe it is a good idea that Tomlin goes and coaches somebody else next year. It is, it is changed in a, at a rapid rate. And I think the Pickens thing is, uh, is the smoking gun. I think that that's been the catalyst behind this because they're seeing a player quit the second receiver to do that on the Steelers this year. And Tomlin had, doesn't have the guts to even publicly reprimand him. Are you no convinced him he's, you're, Are you still convinced that he's good? Who? Pickens. I think he's unbelievably talented, but I'm not sure there's anybody that could get through to him. Um, but that's, but see, that's the arrogance in drafting him. Oh, yeah. we'll get, we'll get through to him. Yeah, there are red flags, all these anonymous scouts and people that told various reporters that they wouldn't, they didn't want their teams to draft them. They wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Mike Tomlin's got it. He'll he'll figure it out. He'll get through to the guy because that's what he's known for. He's got one, he's got one player on his resume that most NFL uh analysts praise him for, and that's how long he he kept Antonio Brown in check in air quotes and got him to be the most productive wide receiver in the NFL for a five or six year period. But at the same time, Danny was enabling things and allowing the Antonio Brown monster to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So yeah, like there's plenty of credit to be doled out there, but there's also some blame in how it ended here with that. So yeah, it's brutal. Uh, he's going to get traded for pennies on the dollar. I actually know he's not because as long as Tomlin's their coach, he's probably going to try to triple and quadruple down on the guy and say eventually he's going to get through to him. Uh, right. Bills and Chargers. Yes, sir. If you were power ranking the AFC, how many teams would you have ahead of the Bills? I would have the Chiefs ahead of the Bills. I would have the Ravens ahead of the Bills. And if the game was tomorrow, that is the list. I would pick them over Jacksonville on a neutral field, and I would pick them over Miami on a neutral field, probably. Like, Miami is close. That's a, that's they buried a, them this year, though. When they I know. Play. No, I, I know. That's, that, that's, why, that's why I would have them. I, I, like, but I, I think that Miami is as good as them, but they just haven't proven it, and they've played. So – uh, I would have I would have Buffalo third. You ready for this? I'd put them one. I mean, I don't. There's a compelling this- argument. There's a very compelling case to put them one because of what James Cook has turned into in this offense. Sample size, man. Yeah. Don't, don't they well, have to? Don't don't they have to prove that with like any 
any body of work here? Well, okay, the, the NFL season is a small sample size. So I'm just, so I'm curious how many games constitutes Danny being able to say, okay, I've seen enough. They are a really good team now. Well, I guess, so they're eight and six this year and they don't necessarily have a history of the last couple of years of winning big games either. So now you have. Okay. But let's, let's hone in on that for a second. Because when I came on the air the other day and talked about how the Steelers were going to beat the Colts because it had happened in the past, you jumped down my throat. Okay, now but, you are using Bill's history from previous teams to discount But I'm talking them. about the same coach and the same quarterback in a three-year period of time since he has been an MVP caliber player. Okay. I'm not talking about when they were different coaches, different quarterbacks, different presidents. Well, there wasn't all. a different coach with the Steelers the entire time during that run, but I guess I hear you. It was not, it, there were different presidents in the Oval Office. Like, we are talking about the recent history of, of this team. But so, you would pick them. The game, is, uh, the game is in Atlanta, neutral field, Buffalo, Kansas City. You're picking Buffalo. They just beat them at Arrowhead. I understand. So, how was that, that big of a stretch where they went into the hostile environment and they I'm won? Asking, they went into the Lions. Single, single elimination. Playoffs. On the I just playoffs. said I picked them. Uh, they're number one for me right now. So, yes, I'm saying that. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, that, that, and it's because of James Cook. The Bills are the best team in the AFC because of James Cook. Is well, your... Josh, I mean, Josh Allen, yeah, I'm not going to, okay. you know, poo-poo him, but That's they've good. they've got a running back who's now, I believe, he's got five straight games over 100 yards from scrimmage. He looks like Marshall Falk. He's been on the last month. Joe, Bra- Joe Brady. No, is... I'm going to, actually, I'm going to change that. He looks like Christian McCaffrey the last month for them. He's been great. Patriots Broncos, a report now that Bill Belichick, this is from Ben Volan, who's a very credible reporter up there in Boston, that Belichick isn't on board with leaving New England. So just to kind of say what that means, he's not really someone that wants to go along with the let's mutually part ways here in the offseason. Let's make this as amicable Let's have a conscious uncoupling in the offseason. He's not on board with that. So if that's accurate, how does that change things, in your opinion? And don't give me, before you answer it, remove right now the bias of you lost your survivor pool pick because of Belichick. I want that gone. I want objective Danny here and not jaded, pissed off, bitter Danny. Right, it's going to be hard. To remove that because he's a hack who lost to Tommy DeVito coming off of a bye. But that caveat notwithstanding, I never thought that he wanted to leave. We kept talking about could they fire him or would you trade him? And yes, if you trade him in theory, he has to want to be traded. But like nothing about this ever seemed like, yeah, you know, the greatest coach of all time with six rings who's synonymous with that franchise. Yeah. So do you think Kraft has the balls to fire him then? I mean, billionaires, generally speaking, have the balls to do whatever the hell they want. Generally speaking. So yes, 
I do. I, if I had to bet on it though, I'd bet on him being back. Wow. <laughs> so maybe Man. this is because I just came from the United Center where I saw Wembenyama against the Bulls tonight. While you were watching the Saints and Rams game on your phone. Great job multitasking. Oh, yeah, I was locked in. But my question is this, like, you think Popovich signs a five-year extension at his age if he didn't get Wembenyama? Like. No, I don't. Right? Probably not. He probably doesn't want to coach a 25-win team just to pile up some wins. He doesn't need the money. You know, like, probably not. Belichick's got. They're going to have a top five pick. Get together and be like, listen, let's change some things. But we're better together than we are apart. I don't want to go to L.A. I'm not an L.A. guy. Can't wear hoodies in L.A. Who are you going to get to replace me? Mike Vrabel? Let's let's be honest with each other here. We're, we're, We're better off together than we are apart. Let's, let's go get. Jaden Daniels, and let's let's build this thing the right way, and give me give me three more years with a quarterback in the top five. I'm sorry about Mac Jones. Let's let bygones be bygones. That's what I think. That was a very like Cowherdian way of putting it. Like all it was missing there was like some tie-in to like a Silicon Valley like company like splitting off and like not being as successful as they were when like the two brains behind the operation were together. So if you workshop that part in, then you can I'll maybe submit that. I'll do that for the, that I'll do that for the Sunday show. Thank, thank you. On the air. Thank you. We got to take a timeout. We'll be back and do that next. You're listening to First in Pod. All right. Welcome back. First in Pod. We're a well-oiled machine over here. Jags and Bucks, Trevor Lawrence, concussion protocol, but he stayed in the game after the hit that supposedly caused the injury. How does this keep happening? Didn't now we were very uh we had to last year doing this podcast. Like everything with Tua revolved around all of this concussion protocol, an independent neurologist, and all of that. And the NFL went to great lengths to tell us, hey, we're really, we're really uh crafting this and Uh, updating it and honing it in on it and like making sure that this is even better than it's ever been. There's been multiple times this year, the Steelers had a situation with TJ Watt where he got hit in the head on the first play of the game. He went back in with a tinted visor. You'd think to, you know, because of light sensitivity after a head injury or brain trauma and it got by the independent neurologist. This is, this is, this is like, it's always been. If the player says I can play, they pretty much look the other way or try to ignore it. And you know, Lawrence was kind of kind of doing weird uh, body movements and trying to shake off some rust that last drive against Baltimore. So when I found out he was in the concussion protocol after the game, it did not surprise me. But I, I just think that this independent neurologist is scared to death that he's going to lose his job because the teams are going to complain that their best players are being taken out of games when they really should have the player's health, long-term health uh, on the back of their mind or top of their mind. Yeah, they definitely should. That's why they're there in theory. Um, I thought Florio made an interesting point. He referenced TJ Watt and Trevor Lawrence. It seems like what's happening 
is if you get up from one of these hits, like obviously if you show like the fencing pose, right? Like if your fingers curl and you do that, like that's like a clear cut sign. And then if you stagger on your feet, right? You're, you're like wobbly on your feet. That's a go to the independent neurologist. Florio said, it seems like what's happening is guys are just staying down, staying down, collecting themselves while they're still on the ground. And so that when they stand up, the cobwebs, quote unquote, have already been shaken off and they can be like, oh, it was a stinger in my neck or it was the ribs or I got the wind knocked out of me or whatever. And they can kind of mask the destabilization of the initial head trauma to skirt past needing to have the independent neurology review on the sideline. Seems like as plausible a theory uh, as anything to me. It's a terrible look. And frankly, it went a long way to explaining how Trevor Lawrence played Mm -hmm. the last 20 minutes of that game. Yep. Last week, which is scary in and of itself. Like, where are those throws going? What's going on? What what happened to Trevor? Oh, he he had a neurological injury. Okay. Makes it make a little bit more sense, but it's scary to think about what we're watching now that we actually know what we're watching. Ask me the next one because I want to ask you the next two. Okay. Lions and Vikings. Lions are eyeing their first division title in 30 years. Is that enough for this franchise this year? I think it is, even though at different points, especially early in the season, I think you and I definitely looked at them as a team that had dark horse potential to win the NFC and get to the Super Bowl and do something unprecedented there. Their defense has let them down and betrayed them. We've harped on that for a while. We see eye to eye on the fact that it's just, it's not a championship caliber unit. But, you know, I think you, when you were in Kansas City, I think you lived through this a little bit. The Royals were so bad for so long when they when they got good again. And they did eventually win a, win a World Series. But that first year where it looked like, I don't even think they made the playoffs that year. They won like maybe 85 or 86 games. 86. You know, yeah. okay, they fell short, but it's like, oh my God, we haven't had this much fun watching baseball in like 20 years. I think that's what's happening in Detroit here this season. And I think as long as they seal the deal here and don't blow it, I don't see how they're going to lose the division. They'd have to lose out and not get tiebreakers. I think as long as they host a playoff game and end the 30-year drought, even if they were to lose that game, I think they'd look back on this season as one of the best in in franchise history. So I agree with almost everything you said, but it is shaping up to be maximum heartbreak. What if the first time that someone wins a playoff game at Ford Field Stafford is Matt Stafford, but he's wearing a Rams jersey, or it's the Packers. Like, or it could even be the Vikings. I mean, they could still get in with their schedule. If they split with the Lions, win one of these two games, they can get in at nine and eight. Yeah. The the Packers have just terrorized the division for yep. more consistently than the Vikings. So in terms of like pain scale, I think the Packers would certainly be more painful for the Bears than it would be for the Lions as well. But but yeah, it's just it's shaping like yes, but who the loss in the first round in front of your fans would be too is shaping up to be. It's not like they lose to the Saints, you know, 
or lose to the Falcons or lose to like some sort of anonymous NFC team that makes it as a wild card that just has their day. Losing to Stafford or losing to the Packers would, I think, leave a really, really bad taste in their mouth. We got to go okay. fast. That's the next yep. question. Colts and, Ve- Colts and Falcons. Yeah. Ritter benched again. I want you to answer this. Better move for Atlanta. Draft the third best quarterback or trade for Justin Fields? I think trade for Justin Fields. Fields is an NFL caliber starter. He's from the area. He, on turf, in a dome, should prolong what he's able to do in like a special athletic fashion that he's been historically great at uh, on historically one of the worst fields, although the turf has been better uh, this year at Soldier Field. And drafting a quarterback is a crapshoot. And the reason that I'm advocating the Bears to do it is because they can pick any quarterback they want in a great quarterback class. Picking the third quarterback is obviously even more of a crapshoot. Trey Lance was the third quarterback taken in the Justin Fields draft in front of Justin Fields. So I think that uh, giving up a second round pick for Fields and using a top 10 or 12 pick on a cornerstone player at another premium position uh, to help him there, I think is, you know, it's a a deep wide receiver draft pair someone with Drake London to help. So now you got Bijan Pitts, London and the kid from Coleman from Florida state or neighbors from LSU, something like that. I think that is a, more steady I think you that team can win 10 games next year in the NFC South you draft a quarterback you're rolling the dice Cardinals and Bears does a two and one finish for the Bears keep Eberflus employed if it was me no my gut says for Ryan Poles the answer will be yes (laughs) I I know I know I it's my it's just it's just my gut now today uh, the defense has improved so much. They weren't trying to win last year. They don't quit. Um, you know, three wins last year, two wins this, two more wins this year gets them to eight. That's a five win improvement. Um, three historic collapses Denver game, Detroit game, Cleveland game. That obviously would work against them. Yep. I think it would be insane to draft Caleb Williams and give him a defensive head coach uh, and not pair up system and and quarterback but i i would fear two and one being enough to keep Eberflus. yes i would fear it next Uh, one yeah my bad yeah uh next one seahawks and titans geno smith is back do you consider him locked in as the seahawks quarterback next year no i think something weird's going on there uh geno came out after this past game and was asked about being the backup to Drew Locke, being active but not playing, and it coming down to the last second to determine the starter for the Eagles' Monday night game. And I think his quote was, it hurt. Not the injury, meaning the decision by the Seahawks to not allow for him to play in that game. Uh, They get linked to Jaden Daniels and guys like that in the draft they did last year. Uh, Maybe a quarterback late in the first round or somebody like Hendon Hooker later in the draft, second or third round. So it's easy to get out of his contract. I think it's pretty much universally agreed upon that they've done better than we all expected 
in the post-Russell Wilson era there, but they still haven't won anything. And so even though Geno threw 30 touchdowns last year, he's regressed enough this year and he's in his 30s where I think if he starts next year on their roster, he's going to have a very, very quick hook uh, because they're going to have brought in somebody to be their long-term quarterback. So I don't think he's locked in at all. All I think all of like the Geno good vibes and stuff that you brought to this podcast last year, Danny, have pretty much dried up. I think that he is going to start week one for them next year. Is he their starting quarterback at this time next year? 50-50. I don't think he is. Yeah. Uh, Commanders, Jets, and Packers, Panthers. I've lumped these two awful games together. Give me the most interesting thing about these two games without winning teams. Well, I mean, listen, there's obviously a little bit for me concern about the Panthers. If they can win, it messes up the first overall pick for the Bears. So for for me, it's clear. Who has the tiebreaker if Arizona and Carolina have the same record? Right now, Carolina has the weakest strength of schedule. Okay. So it would still, it would still be, it would still be them. Um, But it just gets precarious, obviously. So that that's number one pick ramifications uh, for me. And just that game overall, like every data point for Jordan Love and Bryce Young is, is more interesting than what's going on in Jets and Commanders. So I, I would just take that game over the other game, clearly. You liked Washington, and not to like make you look bad at the tail end of this. It's fine. I think, I, mean, I think the Christmas night take speaks for itself. We'll let that marinate as the yeah no it's totally weird to be like hey on christmas sometimes you have other obligations than just watching sports i know it's weird um commanders you like for the playoffs yeah the season started if jacoby Brissett plays well in new york against the jets defense which very few quarterbacks have done this year and i think is he going to start is he going to play i believe so i mean Tua just torched him but yeah go ahead he did. I didn't no, know that. I'm, I'm saying the, the Jets. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I thought you meant like Tua because he they were both in Miami. He said something about him. No, okay. no, 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 no. I mean, um, I mean the, the Jets. Like they, they I will just I, I will say if Brissett's really good, I think it does bring about some what ifs regarding Washington. And if he had played all 17 games, could they have found a way to get to nine wins with him? Still, probably not. But I just think this, he, he I was think good enough broke. in Cleveland last year. Yeah, where if I were a Washington fan or in media there, I would I would ponder that. Yeah, I think th- too much has gone wrong for them with the defense and the coaching uh, for him to completely overcome that. But I think that that is he's a legit quarterback, man. I mean, he you, you don't want him to be your guy, but he is a he's like Minshew. Yeah, he's in exactly. that grouping. Exactly, exactly, a representative player. Thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer. This is First and Pod, 1ST Ampersand Pod. We do every game, every team, every week. Subscribe. Give us a five-star review. Merry Christmas. Watch Ravens Niners. Peace.